we started a sermon series last year called The Witnesses of Christmas, and we looked at the life of Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men and what, what they tell us about Christ and His coming, but also what they tell us about ourselves and our response to Jesus. And we're going to continue in that this morning as we look to John the Baptist. And if you go back to verse 41, it's kind of hard to talk about John the Baptist because here in this, in this passage, he hasn't been born yet, and yet mysteriously uh, we have him leaping in his mother's belly at the presence of the incarnate Lord in Mary. And then Zachariah, or Zacharias, depending on your biblical translation, gives this word of prophecy. And it's interesting when we talk about prophecy, too, because it is a word of what's coming, but so much of prophecy also is proclamation. If you ask a Jew today, who is the greatest prophet? We might think, oh, he might say Isaiah. Maybe he'll say Daniel, and they would say Moses. This one who offered proclamation. Here's what the Lord requires of you today. And so much of the prophets is about that. It's not about Daniel's weeks or what's in the future, but here's how we can live with God now. Here's how we ought to live with God now. And so when John comes, he fulfills these prophecies and he, and he creates and reminds us of the way of Christ through Isaiah and the prophet Malachi, but it's also here's what we need to do right now in response to the coming Christ. And so we're going to look at these words of prophecy about John the Baptist, but also how they point us then to what Christ has come to do. Uh, but first we look at the purpose of John's ministry, and this is good news stuff. As we think about Christ the way, Christ the hope candle, Christ our hope, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're in a hopeless situation, and God breaks into their life and gifts them with John the Baptist. And so in our hopeless situation, this is good news for us that John has come to point us to the way. How many touches? How many touches does it take in a typical person's life before they yield their life to the Lord? How many contacts, real contacts, tangible contacts with believers, those, those deep conversations, those moments of influence before somebody comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ? One church up north, this big mega church, says the study they've done basically says it's eight. That it takes real contacts eight different times, eight different people, typically, before somebody comes to say yes to Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of their life. And many of us will think, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be able to do that for somebody, to share with them about Jesus, to be able to, to be an influence like that. What, what John, part of John the Baptist's story and the good news of that is we can get wrapped up in being a part of pointing to the one who is the way. You may be a number one, you may be number three, you may be a number eight. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about this, this January. Our pastor's Bible study on Wednesday nights, we're going to talk about how it is that we can share our faith, that we'll be ready at point one for those initial conversations, or we might be somebody who comes along and serves somebody or helps somebody, encourages somebody, or maybe we get to be the person who has that conversation. Now, let me, let me be careful. It's always the Spirit, and it's up to that person. It's not up to us to say, folks. We've just got to be faithful, be prepared, be ready for the Spirit to do His work and for that person to respond. But we get to be a part of being number one, two, three, all the way up to number eight. And y'all, I'll tell you, I get frustrated sometimes that I don't get to be number eight. 
For 13 years, I did student ministry, and I would pour my heart into those kids, and I would tell them the salvation story of Jesus Christ, and then we go to a retreat, and they get saved. Everybody get happy? I get mad. (laughs) I've been telling you that story of salvation for years now. Why are you listening to them, and you didn't listen to me? Well, I was number four, and that person was number eight, and that's okay. We all get a place in one thread. We've got to be ready for all inviters encouragers closers (laughs) gotta be ready for all one through eight sarah and i at another church had an opportunity in a public school we had our church adopted that public school and we do go in on a routine basis for what they called a character club and share with three four hundred kids who give up their recess every friday we go in there and share the gospel so i got to go in several times and share the gospel a matter of fact i'm thinking of the christmas season our last big christmas uh, uh event for that we had these tables set up, two tables where Sarah was at one table, I was at another table. We were going to give out candy canes on behalf of First United Methodist Church. And it said that on the candy cane when these kids would leave. From your friends at First United Methodist Church, well, there were so many kids that day for the Christmas, they set up a third table. Well, it was only Sarah and I. I was like, who's going to help? I know who will help. Buddy, John, come here. It was the pastor and youth pastor of First Baptist Church. Go over and work that table from your friends at First United Methodist Church. You know, he had... They're sweethearts. We did a lot of ministry together. All those years of plugging into Character Club and sharing the gospel, but I just share. I don't know that one of those kids ever said yes to Jesus Christ through my preaching. I don't know. Because all I could do was go in and give five to eight minutes of a devotional, and then then hopefully their pastor or youth pastor would do that. All those years in that church trying to do that ministry, I don't know that I was eight. But I am hoping and banking on the fact that here one day I was a number three, a number four, or a number five. Because I can't tell you how many touches it took for me. I've already seen people on uh, Twitter talking about last night's SEC game, about there's going to be a 30 for 30 special now. You know how those 30-30 uh, special commercials go? What if I told you a quarterback was benched halfway through a particular game a year ago and came off the bench, this, right? That's the story of my life. What if I told you that there was this kid named Barry who was nowhere near Jesus, but that his parents in, 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 in middle school started making him go to church even though he fought him at every point that he could? What if I told you that a seventh-grade Sunday school teacher poured into his life and and this to this day that that kid still has a commentary that that teacher gave to him trying to invest in this kid who did not know jesus what if i told you about his eighth grade sunday school teacher what if i told you about the youth counselors in his life that he can still name off all of them because of the way they invested in him before he knew jesus and definitely before right sandra before he acted like he knew jesus right What if I told you about the pastors who told him about Jesus before he knew Jesus? What if I told you about the two youth pastors who desperately tried to reach him and couldn't? But then what if I told you about that one night finally, number eight, the youth pastor laid out the plan of salvation, and that kid finally turned to Jesus Christ? It wasn't one touch. It was multiple touches of a kid who didn't want to hear it, multiple touches with a kid who who was running, trying to do his own thing, and your story's probably the same. One, two, three, probably get up to 20 or 30 for me. How are you going to be like John, a part of the way? He is wrapped up in being the way of leading people to Jesus Christ. That's John's ministry. 
But also in this prophecy about John's ministry is some bad news for us, and it's in verse 77. It's glorious news, but it's bad news. And what he, what he shares here, remember now, Zechariah, Zechariah is a priest, and so he's giving this prophecy of what the Christ will be and what he comes for, and John's going to usher that in, but here's why Jesus comes, and he's saying this to a people who have been oppressed for a long time by a pagan invader. He's saying this to people who haven't heard from God for centuries. There has not been a prophet in the land, and all of a sudden we have this prophecy. And so finally we get this word, and he starts talking in this prophecy about enemies. And I wonder how those people heard it. That's right. Our enemies have taken over. We're going to have somebody come to prepare the way to kick these guys out. And he begins to talk about that. But then you get to verse 77. Haven't heard a word for hundreds of years, and finally this is the word you get. I don't know if he said y'all, but probably. Y'all, you need to repent. It's not the only reason Christ came, okay? But a central part of Advent, the central part of his first coming is to forgive sins. And it's not just them. He's come to forgive everybody. That means you, that means me. How did they hear that? Waiting from this word, these people have been taken over by pagans and Gentiles, and then for hear this word, he comes to forgive. We all need the forgiveness of God. That's a critical part of the Christmas story that you will not find on a Hallmark card. <laughs> You won't find it in a Hallmark movie, usually. Maybe some. Uh, it's not what we think about with chestnuts, right? Ro- roasting over an open fire or the smell of hot cocoa or cider. It's a tough picture of the reality of why Christ came at this season. And it's really why this season is so warm and so good and so filled with hope. Is because we were lost. And God loved us so much, it was, as was prayed beautifully this morning, that he sent his only begotten son. Yes, because of verse 78, because of his tender mercy. Yes, in verse 78, because the sunrise from on high desires to visit and to be with us. I bumped into one of my former church members at another church recently. Uh, his, his child was in our student ministry. And, and, and the story of their walk together this reminder of this very powerful man. If I say his name, you'd know it, so I can't say it. But a big player at UMC, his daughter was going through a, a battle health-wise where she would lose her hair. He went and prayed with her with the whole family. She goes under. When she comes out of that surgery, her dad's not wearing his hair anymore. <laughs> she wakes up and sees bald dad. <laughs> Why? I won't let you go through this alone. I'm going to be in this with you. That's part of the Advent story so much of his desire the sunrise from on high's desire to visit with us to be with us to empathize with us but to bring peace and light in verse 79 but verse 77 is this reminder again about the first christmas and why john the baptist was having a baptism of repentance is because when emmanuel comes he comes to forgive he brings healing he brings grace and mercy as we begin this season uh, and we're looking at the coming of the king of all kings we're reminded again of our deep need for him but also of his tender mercy of his great desire to come to his people and to give grace anew we celebrate that this morning as we share together in this meal here then this invitation 
Uh, all who do earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace and love with one another, you're invited to share in this meal. As this meal reminds us and helps us to celebrate that on the night in which Christ was uh, given up for us, that he took bread. He gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.